Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Joining us once again for the CIO Strategy Snapshot Conversation. Glad to welcome back Jason Trejo, the Head of Asset Allocation for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Jason, thank you for joining us here on a Monday morning. Hope you enjoyed a nice weekend and looking forward to our conversation. Yes, good morning. It was a nice weekend and happy Monday. So, Jason, as our listeners might recall, last week the Chief Investment Office did publish its 2023 Year Ahead Outlook. The title of that, A Year of Inflections, and we covered that right here on the podcast. The episode was released on Thursday, November 17th, if our listeners want to take a listen back. And we'll touch more on the 2023 Outlook a bit later in our conversation today, Jason. Though, perhaps to begin, maybe you can talk to us about the current state of financial markets as we're beginning the holiday season here in the U.S. We have the Thanksgiving holiday coming up on Thursday of this week. But taking a step back, Jason, what are your overall thoughts on market conditions right now? Well, it's interesting if you look at market performance, you know, over the past month to the end of last week and then put in the context of the whole year, we've had, you know, some clear macro momentum trades this year uh, where, you know, the, the, the right winning trades have been to kind of short equities or be underweight equities, short treasuries on higher interest rates and be long the U.S. dollar, among other positions. And all this was really stemming from the fact that you've, we've had high inflation uh, on the Fed aggressively raising rates in order to tighten financial conditions to slow growth to bring inflation down. So that's been sort of the macro story and the trading environment this year. What we've seen over the past month is a bit of a reversal of these kind of a macro momentum trades that have been so successful for, for, you know, the bulk of the year. And, and by that, I mean, what we've seen is that, um, you know, equities have rallied over the past month, uh, kind of across the board, and they've been led by you know, more cyclical stocks over defensives, you know, value versus growth. Uh, small and mid-cap equities have done well. And outside of the U.S., European equities, which kind of might come as a surprise to people, outperformed. Uh, you know, so it's been a very kind of a high risk, high beta environment, pro-cyclical for equity performance for the last month. At the same time, we've also seen interest rates come down kind of across the, uh, you know, the Treasury curve. The rates are down by the 10-year yield. They're down about 40 basis points from their high. And the bulk of that is due to lower inflation expectations. Uh, we've seen the dollar down kind of across the board and a, sort of a trade with index is down about 5.5% for the past month. So there's a clear kind of reversal in that performance. Uh, by the end of last week, that started to kind of reverse a little bit, and some of the earlier kind of macro trades from earlier this year started to kind of resurface. You saw the equity rally kind of lose a little bit of steam, and, and rates and the dollar were marginally higher. But the story for the last month is, is you know, I think you know, the market's getting maybe a little more comfortable about the, the macro outcome and sort of pricing a little bit of a potentially of a soft landing scenario. Jason, that's very helpful context. And I'm curious, the recent reversal in the dominant market performance themes we've witnessed this year, what factors do you feel account for that? Well, part of this is a technical and positioning story. We began, you know, the third quarter or the fourth quarter, you know, in October, where sentiment was quite bearish and investor positioning, especially among hedge funds, some institutional investors was relatively light. And what happened is that as the markets move higher, there's been a lot of kind of short covering, a reversal of those momentum trades. So for short equities and short the dollar, they've been forced to reverse those positions. And when they do, that provides kind of a technical point for some of the markets that they've done over the past month. So technicals and positioning were certainly a factor. But really what was able to kind of fuel it was what we've seen is sort of better data. Uh, and what's interesting is just even in the past couple of weeks, there's been a bit of a you know kind of change in mentality among investors, or at least a debate that's taking place 
where you know perhaps we can have a situation where uh, inflation has been sort of the dominant story in high rates. You know now that could give way to the fact that maybe inflation is going to start to fall and fall more credibly and faster than we think actually growth will fall. Uh, and that, if that happens, then you get the possibility of a soft landing. Look at the data just from the past couple weeks. It's kind of consistent with that story. If we take the inflation data, we got October's CPI data and PPI data that were both better than expected, meaning inflation came in below expectations. Then you get data on like import prices or there's ISM manufacturing prices paid index. Both of those indices are now back to pre-pandemic levels. So, you know, huge surge in 2021. And now much of that has been unwound this year. So clearly you can start to see inflation data that's moving, you know, strongly in the right direction. Also, then if you turn to the consumer, you know, it shows kind of, you know, resiliency. We saw that with October retail sales being, you know, quite solid. Then you look at the labor market, you know, jobless claims continue to stay very low. Uh, so a lot of headlines with some big well-known tech companies announcing layoffs. But in the aggregate, that's a really small and almost idiosyncratic story. The overall labor market still remains quite solid. Uh, and so if you have a situation where, you know, job market growth continues to kind of, you know, move forward into long in a positive direction, as inflation comes down, kind of real income starts to actually recover and real spending power can recover as we go to next year. So that's just the consumer, which is a critical part of the economy, is holding up. Now, there are certainly evidence and signs of the economy slowing overall. Manufacturing is in production is you know, probably you know, close to contraction territory. Uh, the housing market, you know, is in contraction territory. You could say it's an outright recession in the housing market. Uh, lending activity is starting to get tighter. So all these things point to kind of slower growth ahead. But, you know, they might, you know, th- those activities or those, that slowdown might not be great enough to offset what could be you know, inflation falling fast. And that's kind of that possibility is partly what's driven the markets over the past month that now there is this soft landing scenario that seemed quite unlikely a month ago. Now it's a little bit more likely. So, Jason, let's build on that by addressing a point you brought up in your recent blog. Title is Raised to the Bottom, which, by the way, for our listeners and our clients of UBS, that blog is now available for you on UBS.com slash CIO. Though, Jason, within that blog, you write that with both inflation and growth declining, the investment outlook hinges on which one of those considerations will slow faster. So what do you mean by that, Jason? And can you put this in context of the year of inflections framework? Well, ultimately, you know, the, the outlook over the medium term, you know, like into the next six to 12 months, real hinge on how quickly and how much inflation and growth can fall, but then also how much, you know, Fed policy will react to, will, will react to this evolving macro landscape. So just think about if the trends of the past couple of weeks continue where we get inflation falling while growth stays resilient, that's sort of the ideal outcome for the Fed because then they have justification for kind of maybe slowing down the rate hikes, potentially even cutting rates later next year, it reduces the risk of them over-tightening and all throughout this time period growth, you know, moderates, but maybe it avoids a recession. That's sort of the ideal outcome. If you get a situation where, you know, growth slows rapidly, um, you know, but inflation ends up you know, coming down, but then still stays elevated because of other factors in the service sector and the labor market, that's sort of the worst possible outcome because now the Fed has to still deal with inflation while growth is is falling. So it still has an inflation problem it has to, to address. That means, you know, there's no pivot coming to anytime soon. Now, more likely, they're going to both fall together, but like how they do. And so the pace will sort of determine from those two extremes, from a soft landing to potentially hard landing. We think it's going to be somewhere in between. How this ties in within the year head outlook, which, you know, it's titled a year of inflections. Really what we're referring to on those inflections is 
when does growth that is slowing right now inflect to the point where it actually stops slowing and start to kind of recover again? When does policy inflect such that the Fed and other central banks stop raising rates and then eventually, you know, not only pause, but then start, you know, pivot and start cutting rates? Inflation, you could say, is already inflected, at least in the U.S., because it's, it's coming down clearly. In Europe, that isn't the case. But is, it, is there another inflection point where instead of continuing to going back down towards 2%, does it inflect where it kind of plateaus in the 4 to 5% range? I think that'll be a key kind of question for next year. So the path to those inflection points matters a great deal. Uh, and how soon we get to those inflection points from the Fed, inflation, and growth will determine the, you know, the path between now and, say, like the middle of next year. Now, there is a point when once we reach all those inflection points where growth is recovering, uh, policy is getting easy, presumably inflation is much lower. That's a you know, positive environment, and it's a good environment for risk assets, which is why we think the outlook on a 12-month-plus horizon starts to become more constructive. But the path to getting to those inflection points will determine sort of how markets play out between now and then. And the faster inflation falls relative to the growth, the more sort of benign the, uh, the outlook is, and that's the better it is for, for risk assets. But there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, we've, you've seen you know, data you know, be very volatile from month to month. Currently, the data is sort of favorable. We saw that similar in the summer, and then it kind of pivoted again, where inflation got a little bit worse than expected. So we'll see how it plays out. But that's kind of the narrative. That's the dynamic that we're facing for the time being. So, Jason, I'm curious, as we begin to close out, what this means for the investment outlook as we head into year end of 2022, and then also thinking about 2023. Well, if you think just in the very near term, I mentioned, you know, we've had this sort of reversal trade uh, for the past month, which by the end of last week looks like it was sort of slowing down. Uh, it's typical that, you know, when you get such large moves that we've seen in rates where the, you know, the yields were down 40 basis points or equities were up, you know, you know, 10% or plus in some cases over the course of a relatively short time period, you're going to get some sort of consolidation and pause and maybe a little bit of a pullback. That's what we saw at the end of last week. Now, whether that's we'll get a reversal of the reversal, that remains to be seen. Uh, the technical tailwind, that was driving risk assets for uh, a month or so, that will lose momentum. You know, investors can only re-risk so much if they took off positions before and they're adding the back. We also saw last week some Fed officials coming out and sort of pushing back against the idea that the Fed could pause soon. They continue to reiterate the message that we're a long way from, from being done raising rates. A lot of this is designed to kind of maybe push back against some of the easing and financial conditions we've seen recently as equities rallied and rates declined. Uh, I think a key point to watch in the next couple of weeks is if we see Fed Chair Jay Powell come out and give a speech before the Fed goes into a blackout period. Uh, if he does, it's a further sign that maybe they really want to kind of push back against, aggressively against that. That, again, is a challenge for that reversal trade continuing, and maybe we go back to what you know, the dynamic was for much of this year. At the same time, though, given the macro environment and the data has been sort of more favorable from inflation coming down uh, and the soft landing scenario being a little bit marginally more likely, when we get November data starting in a couple of weeks, if it's consistent with that, we're seeing further kind of moderation of the labor market. Inflation data continues to come down. The bias right now among the markets is direct more favorably to that kind of good news than they do negatively to you know, poor news, which means you know, you know, this rally could continue you know, throughout the, at least the rest of this year if the economic data is sort of consistent you know, with that. So I think it's more balanced near term. If we look more three, six months out, there's still challenges ahead. We still see the Fed raising rates well into the first quarter. Uh, it's likely growth is going to continue to slow. It's just that simple combination. That's not a great combination for risk assets. And it does appear at least equities are maybe a little too optimistic on growth with the S&P close to 4,000, um, you know, a pricing in a pretty benign outcome and maybe even the Fed cutting rates later next year, whereas 
that may be you know, a little bit too premature to price in that scenario. So the risk reward on a six-month horizon you know, remains more skewed to the downside uh, as the market sort of kind of catches up and realizes growth is going to get worse before it gets better. The earnings outlook is going to continue to deteriorate, uh, which is why we're thinking about overall positioning you know, in the house, but also some of our kind of our key trades as we go into next year are sort of the same message as we've been saying for a little while. You know, go up in quality within fixed income, get a little more defensively positioned. You don't need to take a lot of risk to get you know, income in fixed income. Let equities tilt your portfolio a little bit more defensively, go up in quality. We still like value over growth, even though growth in some cases has bounced back a little bit in the past couple of weeks. Uh, and we still see a little more strength in the dollar before we get a clear reversal of dollar weakness at some point in next year. Well, Jason, thank you there for the guidance on positioning. And it will be interesting to see how the integrity of recent investor sentiment holds up in the weeks to come as we start to close out the year. As you pointed out, we will be hearing from Fed Chairman Jerome Powell and his commentary is always known to perhaps move markets. So we'll see what happens in the weeks to come, though. Jason, thank you again for dropping by the podcast this morning. Morning, keeping us up to speed on your near-term and longer-term market outlooks and looking forward to picking back up with our conversation next week. Wishing you and yours a happy Thanksgiving holiday. Well, thank you, and you're welcome. Enjoy this holiday for a week, and happy Thanksgiving to you and to all our listeners. Thank you, Jason. And just a couple of quick housekeeping items here to hit on before we close out. We have been making reference today on today's conversation to Jason's recent blog, that title, Race to the Bottom. Again, that blog now located up on UBS.com slash CIO for our listeners and our clients of UBS. Of course, for our clients, you can simply reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of Jason's blog directly. I also want to point out that our year ahead top of the morning podcast, which Jason covered with us, was recorded and released on Thursday, November 17th, now available for you up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as UBS.com forward slash podcasts. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.